Frontotemporal dementia is the most common form of dementia for people under age 60, impacting roughly 50,000 people in the U.S. However, experts consider that number to be a vast undercount because of how challenging it can be to diagnose. Recently, the family of actor Bruce Willis announced that he's been diagnosed with this progressive form of dementia. The length of progression varies from two to over 20 years. For aging services professionals, it is important to learn about this form of dementia and implement best practice strategies when providing person-centered care. Hello, and welcome to the Comfort Connections podcast. In today's episode, Frontotemporal Dementia, Best Practice Strategies, we are joined by Dr. Heather McKay, Occupational Therapist and Dementia Care Specialist for Partnerships for Health. Welcome, Heather. Thank you for joining us today. Can you please share with our listeners the key differences between dementia and frontotemporal dementia, or FTD? It's a common question, and I answer it in presentations, consultations, and these kitchen table talks every week. Let me share with you the quick explanation that I use that really gets heads nodding. Dementia is an umbrella term. Now, my my hands automatically go up when I explain that. It just means that dementia is a category of diseases, with dementia written way up high. There are many different types of dementia underneath that umbrella. But here's what really gets heads nodding. When I say dementia is a word like cancer, most people understand that cancer is an umbrella term. Whether they say it like that or not, I mean, they get that cancer is the word written way up high. It's the category because there are many different types of cancer underneath the umbrella. Most people know, you know, skin cancer, lung cancer, breast cancer, colon cancer, the list goes on. They also know that skin cancer is different from lung cancer, but they're both cancer. Now that's the way the dementia vocabulary works too. With dementia written way up high, underneath that umbrella, we have Alzheimer's disease, vascular dementia, frontal temporal lobe dementia, Lewy body dementia, the list goes on. I see. This really helps to paint a picture for our listeners. So then how does FTD typically progress? If we look at some science behind FTD, we have to start in the brain. FTD is caused by progressive nerve cell damage in the brain, regions mainly responsible for behavior, personality, and language The cell damage is caused by varying proteins that collect in the frontal lobe. That's right behind your forehead, the front of your brain, and the temporal lobe. That's the side of your brain. People with FTD may exhibit extreme changes in behavior with no control over these actions. Today, many conditions are grouped under that category of FTD, so... It's almost like a little mini umbrella itself. All of these conditions that qualify as FTD cause personality changes, communication deficits, memory loss, and gradual loss of independence. Just like all the other types of dementia, FTD is progressive with no cure. So Heather, what are a few hallmark signs or characteristics of FTD? People with FTD are diagnosed typically between the age of 40 and 60. So that's a little different from other types of dementia. 
Behavior changes are often the first noticeable sign in FTD. Problems with speech, especially producing words that make sense, understanding the speech of others or reading, those are all characteristic signs of FTD. FTD eventually affects memory in addition to all these behavioral and language changes. Now, there are different subtypes of FTD. Each subtype progresses differently. Over time, these subtypes of FTD just predispose an individual to physical complications like pneumonia, infection, and fall-related injuries. Can you explain a few of the most common FTD subtypes? Behavioral variant of frontotemporal dementia is the first common type with decline in complex thinking, personality, and behavior, a person loses that judgment and empathy and foresight. All of these thinking skills are, are some of the first signs. There may be loss of interest or drive or empathy. Changes in eating habits, like binge eating, and changes in executive function, like trouble planning, organizing, and coming up or generating ideas. These are all compromised in the behavioral variant of FTD. It occurs most often in people in their 50s and 60s, but it could develop earlier or later. A second subtype is a primary progressive aphasia, or PPA. You might read it like that. It's the second major type of FTD that affects language skills, speaking, writing, and comprehension, first and foremost. PPA, primary progressive aphasia, normally appears in midlife before the age of 65, but could also develop later. Memory and judgment are affected less in the early stage of PPA, but frustration and depression are both common. A third subtype, ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. It's another disorder in this category of FTD. It produces changes in muscle or motor function with or without those behavioral symptoms or language problems. ALS causes muscle weakness and wasting. Another subtype, corticobasal syndrome. This one causes arms and legs to become uncoordinated or stiff in addition to those cognitive and behavioral changes typical of other subtypes. Next, a progressive supranuclear palsy, or PSP, causes muscle stiffness, difficulty walking, changes in posture, problems with eye movements, problems with speech and swallowing, and some people also experience changes in behavior. Because its initial symptoms can resemble other conditions like Alzheimer's disease or Parkinson's disease, diagnosing these different types of, of FTD can be tricky. Thank you for the brief overview of these subtypes. I believe we could dedicate an episode to each one. Can you please share a few common best practice strategies when developing a plan of care for an individual living with FTD? First, it's helpful to frequent places where the person with FTD can be themselves. Remember, the behavioral symptoms of FTD are not the person's fault. 
They're doing the best they can. Places that feel comfortable to the person and their caregiver like quickly become the favorites. Since FTD comes with a lot of this impulsive behavior, it's smart to secure potentially dangerous items. I've met people with FTD who have insatiable appetites. And caregivers would say, he doesn't know when to say when. Think about eating a whole box of cookies or just in just minutes or gulping a whole jar of peanut butter with a spoon. Ouch. So it can be helpful to keep healthy foods and snacks and drinks available and limit portions when you can. Leverage the person's preserved skills in familiar activities. After all, it's still a use it or lose it proposition. And favorite activities can be a great and healthy distraction. Give medications as prescribed. Pair your verbal instructions with a visual aid to provide cues. The person with FTD may understand your visual cues better than long explanations. Try listening to some favorite music. Areas of the brain that understand music are preserved longer for people with dementia, and music taps emotional memory, rhythmic movement, and even helps you put one foot in front of the other. Encourage exercise, such as just getting out and going for a walk if possible. Music will help. Provide supervision for safety. Communicate with empathy. Here's what I mean. It means focusing more on the feelings and less on the facts. A person with dementia can tell if you care about their problem or if you're sweeping it under the rug because they can hear it in your tone of voice and see it in your body language. So take a deep breath, listen to their concern, and use empathetic words to point out their feelings. Here's an example. It sounds like you're missing your husband. Or, I can tell you're looking for something. Or, it, it seems like you're at, at the end of your rope. Once you've made that emotional connection and the person's listening to you, then you can redirect their attention by changing the subject. Changing locations and changing activities can also help shift the person's attention to something less upsetting. Now, redirection and distraction are proven effective strategies for managing challenging behavioral symptoms of dementia, but it takes practice. So don't give up. If your redirection doesn't work, just pause, listen some more, and try to make that emotional connection before you change the subject. Because FTD impacts impulse control, reasoning, judgment, behavior, communication, and memory, avoiding some things can mean better days for the person and their caregivers. So, practice some alternative approaches that don't say to the person, you're wrong. You might say, try this, and show the person a better way, or ask the person for their help, and show them the correct first step. It all feels better than saying, that's not right. Avoid startling the person. After all, when understanding the situation is difficult for the person with FTD, they can seem on edge or easily startled. 
everything will be easier for you both if you can avoid scaring the pants off the person in the beginning of your interaction. So practice approaching the person from the front. Let them see you before you're in their personal space. Just offer your hand to greet the person or show your open arms to invite their hug. It's a more comfortable and safer way of beginning the interaction than swooping in from the side or from behind. Heather, as we near the end of this episode, what are two top recommendations you share when speaking with family members whose loved one is living with FTD? Given the nature of FTD, it's best to appoint someone else the money manager. If the person has always been financially independent and handled all of those decisions and tasks himself or herself, it may be important to that person to participate with a helper, but it's not wise to assign someone with FTD full responsibility for money management. Don't expect the person to do all they used to do, or at least the way they used to do it. Shifting your own expectations can go a long way towards settling into a new normal. Thank you, Dr. McKay, for providing best practice strategies that support an individual who's been diagnosed with FTD, living at home, assisted living community, memory care, or a long-term care facility. Listeners, visit ComfortConnections.com to download complimentary resources, view show notes, and access our episodes. You can also subscribe to our podcast on your favorite app. Thank you for listening and helping older adults live the best life possible.